Welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. John is the number one national best-selling author of the book On Fire. He's a world-class inspirational speaker, and he's the host of the Live Inspired Podcast. John interviews extraordinary individuals on their life story so that you can wake up from accidental living and more fully live your life story. Here's your host, John O'Leary. Well, hello, my friends. I am John O'Leary, and I'm so happy to have you here joining me in the Live Inspired Movement. On every Live Inspired podcast episode, I have amazing guests join me to share their story, their successes, their failures, their lessons, their life. You are going to hear profound and unforgettably inspiring stories. But more importantly, you will take away real ideas to apply in your own life. My friends, the goal here is to have guests on this show that will inspire you, yes, you, to choose to wake up from accidental living so that you can live inspired. Now, before we get started, you should check me out on Facebook and Twitter, like my pages, follow me there, and get inspiration every day throughout your week. I share weekly blogs, vlogs, quotes, and reflections. You're going to love it all. So consider checking us out wherever you grab your social media because we are there too. You'll also get links to this podcast. So check it out. On today's episode, though, I get to introduce you to a friend, to an author, to an inspiration, to an overcomer, to a guy that if you have not yet heard of, you've had your head somehow buried a little bit in the sand because this guy is profound. He's unforgettable. He had a video a couple years ago of him walking across the stage for his college graduation that went viral. Christopher Norton. More than 300 million people tuned in to watch Chris Norton take these first steps across the stage to accept his diploma and then to be seated again. You're going to hear this story. You're going to hear why those steps were so unbelievable. You're going to hear his heart, his mindset, his attitude, and some clear ideas that you can take back into the walk, the journey through your life. So my friends, let the music play, buckle up, take your seats, and get ready to rock and roll as we unpack the life and the effort, the legacy, uh, and the joy of a, a, a new friend named Chris Norton. Chris Norton, welcome to Live Inspired with John O'Leary. Thank you, John. Happy to be on the show. Man, it is a pleasure to uh, have you on. I've, I've been a big fan of yours for a while. Ever since I saw the video that I think the rest of the world saw, I've been cheerleading along with everyone else for you. But for those who may not have seen the video or may not have read your book or, or really know anything about your story, tell us a little bit about what you're doing today. Yeah, so I'm living in Port St. Lucie, Florida. I'm a motivational speaker. I suffered a spinal cord injury back in 2010. And then four and a half years later, I walked the stage of my college graduation with the help of my fiance. And that video you mentioned went viral. It's been viewed over 300 million times across the world. And it's just kind of given me an opportunity just to, to help people overcome their own obstacles. And uh, so that's what I do, travel the country, share my message. I have a book called The Power of Faith, When Tragedy Strikes, and I'm just doing what I can to make an impact. Well, man, you're, you're, you're clearly making an impact, and uh, you're doing that today. But, you know, it's been said, Chris, that everyone has a story. 
it's just usually not the story that we're telling the world. So let, let's back your story all the way up, not just to what you're doing today or maybe the injury that really ignited all of this, but even before then, tell us where you grew up and what life was like for you as a kid. Yeah, I just grew up outside of Des Moines, Iowa, just small town kid, uh, just great family life. Uh, I went to a smaller school and, you know, I love sports. I was like an athlete. I was competitive. And, uh, you know, after I graduated high school, I, I wanted to continue uh, playing sports and you know, I loved football. And so I thought I'd continue to play football at Luther College after graduation. And so I went to school there and it was my freshman year where everything really changed for me. Well, man, let's just step right into it. So you're a football player. You're a freshman. You're at Luther College in Iowa. What Take us from there. Yeah, so it was our fifth game of the season. I worked my way onto the different special team units of the varsity squad. And in the third quarter, we're playing Central College. Uh, we scored a touchdown, which meant it was our turn to kick the ball off. Well, I was on the kickoff team. We kicked the ball off. It's to my side of the field where I'm running down. I see the opening of where the ball carrier is going to run through. I anticipated his his speed and where he's going to be at. I jumped and just mistimed my my tackle by a split second. Instead of getting my head in front of the ball carrier, my head collided right with his knees, mm. and instantly. I lost everything from my neck down. It was like someone flipped the power off to my body. I tried to get up. Nothing happened. And as time went on, I didn't realize it, but I suffered a severe spinal cord injury. And the trainers rush out. and They started asking me questions like, Chris, can you make a fist with your hand? Mm -hmm. I tried making a fist. Nothing happened. Chris, can you feel us touching your leg? I couldn't feel a thing. And these questions went on and on with no changes to my body. Eventually they had a call in for a helicopter. That's when I knew how serious the situation it was. And I Chris, are, are these, it. are these your memories or is this from watching the video and then uh, hearing c coaches and parents talk about it afterwards? I remember everything. I was completely conscious. My head was not damaged at all. It was just a straight shot to my neck which is pretty rare uh, for a spinal cord injury. Usually there's some sort of head trauma as well. But for me, it was everything was to my neck, and I remember everything like it was yesterday. Man, I would imagine, and, and uh, this is going to shock our audience who have met me live, I am not an athlete, I'm not a football player, but I would imagine for those who are, one of the one of the great concerns, it's like the one thing that might actually scare you outside of being concussed repeatedly, is breaking a neck, man, having a, some type of spinal cord injury. A as you are laying there in this stadium that I'm sure is completely hushed and the coaches are talking to you and the trainers are out, at, at what point does it sink in what's really going on? And, and, and then take me through your emotions. Well, at first, I was just so naive. I didn't think anything serious could ever happen to me. I thought, you know, that happens to people you read about in the newspaper, you watch on television, but there's no way that's going to be me because nothing serious has ever really happened to my life. And growing up in a small town, nothing serious really affected anyone really close to me. So mm -hmm. I was kind of naive to the fact that I could actually suffer a severe spinal cord injury. That was never on my radar for one, but 
when it really started to sink in that this is a serious situation was when the EMTs came out and they had to call in for a helicopter. When they had to call in for a helicopter to fly me out, that's when I knew this was beyond just a, like a stinger or a concussion yes. or you know some sort of minor problem. That's when I just closed my eyes. I tried to block it all out. I, I didn't want to accept you know, what was happening around me. Like, this is my life. There's no way this could possibly happen to me. And I just closed my eyes and began to pray. What were you praying then? I was just praying to God that I could just put this behind me in a matter of minutes, that I can just walk off and just be on the sideline with the rest of my teammates. Just be a normal kid and just put it behind me. Just let it be a big scare and everything's okay and get back to my life because, you know, I was living a great life. I, I had no complaints. I was, you know, on an all-time high, just living in college and being independent, making great friends. You know, I was just on top of the world at that moment, and I just didn't want anything to change that. Uh, the answer to your prayer doesn't come in the way you maybe had hoped, but maybe in ways that are even better than you had imagined. But it's going to be a wild journey there, Chris. So from the moment they start getting you on on the, the mat and then eventually into that helicopter, just kind of take us through some of the experiences of, of that first day and then of the days that followed. Yeah, for sure. Well, like you said, like sometimes God has a better plan for you than the plan you had for yourself. And that really started to unfold with time. I started to see that. But when I was put on the helicopter to fly out, before that, I started to lose the ability to breathe because mm. my injury was so high and severe that it affected my lungs. And I told the EMTs that, and they said that they could put a trach, a long tube down my throat to pump in oxygen. They could cause more damage, so I declined it and said I'd be fine. If I get on the helicopter, not even five minutes on the flight, I stopped breathing. Mm. And if you've ever been on a helicopter, you know how loud it is how scary and intimidating it can be. So I'm looking over to get the EMT's attention and they're not looking at all. I can't make a sound. And it's so loud. And at that point, I knew I had to take control of the situation. I remember just closing my eyes and just visualizing to try to convince myself to breathe. <laughs> I just tried to just imagine myself breathing in and out. And I counted each and every breath I took and just to try to convince myself I was breathing and to calm myself down. And eventually, I was able to make it to the hospital just fine. But when I think about that moment, I was just so overwhelmed. I was thinking about my future, the uncertainty, and I got scared. And I was just thinking about, you know, will I ever walk again? Will I ever, you know, have a family? Or, you know, what's my life going to look like going forward? And, and really, I forgot about what was most important at the time, which was to just breathe. <laughs> And I think that's easy for anyone in life to get overwhelmed and think too far ahead. And sometimes you just need to stop, take a breath, and focus on what's most important right now. And that was a really big learning tool for me of just taking things, just one breath, one step at a time. Well, man, it's an incredible example, I think, that all of us can uh, absorb into our own lives and, and too frequently miss and it's something that you're going to need to do day after day after day over the long journey to come. So you, you get to this hospital, Chris, and 
you're barely able to breathe, you're not able to move, what what happens next? Eventually, I do a bunch of different tests, and I go to sleep for surgery. When I woke up, I was told that I had a 3% chance to ever regain any feeling or movement back below my neck. And honestly, I left those odds one in one ear and out the other. There's just no way that's going to be my life, and I just rejected it. And it was you can go one of two ways when you, you're dealt bad news. You can either accept it and feel sorry for yourself, or you can do whatever you can to overcome it. And I chose that. I'm just going to do what I can to overcome this. Um, day one, I did the only thing I could do, which was to nod my head yes and no. And I just did that movement for hours on hours. I looked like a giant bobblehead, just nodding my head up and down. But it was just a, a start of... Uh, my recovery. And it was just the thing that I had to take it one day at a time, one breath, one step at a time. And I just focused on what can I do today to get better? Mm. And then I took it to the next day because when I thought about my goal of walking, that's overwhelming. When you think about how far you have to go to reach something, it, it's daunting. It's, it's frustrating. But when I can think about maybe just getting better today and just giving a full effort, today and then I'll get one step closer to my goal and it's just those inches of progress it adds up over time. Chris, what, what you mentioned the 3% likelihood of ever being able to walk again tops. What what was the injury that you ultimately were diagnosed with? So I suffered a, a C3 C4 incomplete injury and that's a a very high cervical spinal cord injury just below um pretty much your head. Um, the back of your neck there. And uh, they thought at first it was complete where the spinal cord was completely severed and there was no attachment, but uh, they later found that it was incomplete where there's some attachment to the spinal cord. And the thing is, I learned quickly is that they don't have the answers to your recovery. They don't have the answers to what will happen when you have a spinal cord injury. There's a lot of uncertainty and you have millions and millions of, uh, nerve roots and cords and uh, signals going and it's just something that they just can't predict and so that was tough too just not having the answers because i want them to just tell me like okay what's my yes. life going to look like what will i get back or not get back and they couldn't give me those answers and that was tough and so i knew it was up to me to do what i can to uh, get as much back as i could chris was there some champion in your corner that was cheerleading or pushing or encouraging or demanding you to keep moving forward? Yeah, my family. My family was there from day one when I was injured and through the, this entire process. Uh, my dad and my mom would alternate weeks where they'd stay with me at the hospital, and they were just my my encourager, my uh, motivation. They kept me positive. Uh, they're such positive people themselves, and they just created an environment that was uplifting. And I think that's important when going through anything. It's just having, you know, positive influences in your life and having that positive environment because it's contagious. Mm. And so they, they really um, kept me encouraged. But uh, someone that I want to single out, and I kind of compare it to uh, your um, Joe, the Joe Buck mm-hmm. story, um, who really came to the hospital and was there for you. Uh, her name is Georgia. So I got told about Georgia. It's about the fourth night of my hospital stay. 
And at this point, you know, the doctors, they weren't overly optimistic, and that's tough to not have the medical staff being very positive about your outlook on your life. And it was about 4 in the morning, and I couldn't sleep. I was restless. I'm trying to just work off my nervous energy by doing exercises, and a physician comes in to check my vitals, which someone does every two hours. But she did much more than that. She came to my bedside. She got down on one knee, and she said, Chris, look me in the eye. And she's kind of mean about it. And so I locked eyes with her. She said, my name is Georgia. I'm from Wyoming. Do you know anyone from Wyoming? I said, no. I'm thinking, you know, where is this going? And she said, well, people from Wyoming don't tell lies. And I'm going to tell you this. Chris, you will beat this. You will beat this. She had so much conviction in her voice, and I instantly just started crying. I just needed to hear those words. I was in such a vulnerable state, and that really got to me, and that really gave me the confidence that I really needed myself just to keep going. And it's just amazing just how small of an act that was just to come to my bedside and give me that confidence and, like, the impact that made on me, and I think – you know, we all have that ability to make an impact mm. on other people. And it's just those small actions. It's just having that positive outlook and uh, taking action on it, just encouraging somebody else. It's amazing what that can do to somebody else because I guarantee she has no idea the impact she's made on me. It just happened in 30 seconds or less. Man, I'm curious. Have you seen Miss Georgia since this, uh, since the motivational pep talk at 4 in the morning? Yeah, she. Uh, I met her. About two years later at a conference, and I told her mm. how much she meant to me and, like, how moving and how I uh, – it's hard to put in the words, but, you know, just how much of a difference that made in my life. But now that was, um, you know, two years after that encounter, which would be about five years from today. But now she has no idea that I talk about her <laughs> all the time. I, or I tell everybody about Georgia so she has no idea about that, but I'm hoping to reconnect with her uh, sometime. I Georgia really, from Wyoming. What What is or was her job at the time? She's a physician. Okay. She was a physician at Mayo Clinic. Mm-hmm. But she made a, such a, a difference in me. And I just, like I said earlier, I feel like we all have that ability to make an impact. And we have those opportunities. It's just a matter of acting on it and just encouraging one another, smiling, affirming each other. And it can go a long ways. How long were you in hospital and then even in outpatient uh, recovery? Well, I was about inpatient for about four months, and then I lived in a Ronald McDonald house right next to the hospital for another about three to four months. So I was in a different city for my training for about eight months. And then eventually I transferred back home to Des Moines, Iowa. But ever since then, I've been still training. Even today, you know, I'm still training. But uh, I moved my uh, intensive training to Des Moines and eventually back to college. Uh, Luther College is where I continue my education and my training. Man, tell me about the first day back on college. I, you know, I'm, uh, I think most of us get nervous when we make our our first walk across the quad, if you will, or push across the quad, you're coming back after a significant serious injury and you're coming back completely different than the guy in many regards that you left 
What is it like the first day you're back on campus? It was very intimidating. I was very self-conscious because I wasn't the person I was before. I had this identity of a of an athlete, of a strong guy, independent guy, and then to be so dependent and to really struggle to to get anywhere on campus. We had a little bit of a hilly campus, so I depended on a lot of people to get me around. So I was very self-conscious about it. It was tough at first to try to get over that hurdle of that uncomfortableness and people looking at you yeah. different. Uh, it's, it was, it was hard and, but it was something I knew I had to work through and I eventually kind of grew more confidence in myself and my situation. But I remember I refused for the first year to get a, a handicap accessible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just did not want it. I just did not want to think or to feel like I needed an accessible van because I could not accept my new identity. Mm. And that, that's hard to, I think, for anyone to really try to overcome different identities as life changes, you change, and sometimes we want to hold on to our past identities, and sometimes it's best just to let go and accept something different. And just because you accept something different doesn't make it worse either. Man, the line between empathy and sympathy is fine, but it is, uh, it's divisive. So for those who saw you in hospital recovery on campus, at McDonald's, wherever, tell me about those that made you feel, in some regards, even worse about yourself. What, like, what was it about the look or the words? And then share with us, because I think we all see people that we, you know, they're different. And we want to we not turn our back, but we also don't want to make them feel bad about themselves. Tell, tell me about those who met you where you were, even if they were strangers and inspired you through a glance or a smile or a word. Uh, so if you don't mind, kind of dance us through those, the gap between sympathy and empathy. Yeah, I think something that I always respect and I appreciate is when someone approaches me and they get down on one knee and they're at my height level, uh, for whatever reason, I just feel like that's just like a sense of, I don't know, they, they just have confidence in themselves and they approach me in such a, like, uh, friendly manner. And not that it's disrespectful if you're standing right next to me talking to me, but I don't know, there's something about that that I always appreciate. And then uh, at least for a long time, my right arm wasn't working very well. And so I couldn't really reach my hand out to shake people's hands. Mm-hmm. And what always made me feel uncomfortable is when I, I tried to reach my arm out to shake their hand. And then because I couldn't get it very far, they mm-hmm. wouldn't mm-hmm. shake my hand. It was kind of like this awkward, like... <laughs> stare of like, wait, do I grab his hand? Do I shake his hand? Um, but nothing against them. It was just uh, always this uncomfortable situation that happened frequently. But uh, now I can reach my right hand out a lot better and people just shake my hand. But um, I don't know. There's little moments like that yes. where you just want someone to, to be confident with themselves too, with you, and just treat you no different than you treat somebody else. Um, but I have noticed that you know, people are much nicer to me now than <laughs> right. before my injury. I'm uh, not sure if you maybe feel the same, but I've really noticed that people are just much friendlier. They're more willing to work with you and, like, be flexible with you. And I, I appreciate that. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But that's something I try to encourage people to always yes. do. Like, let's, if we can do this to everyone, man, well, we'd have a – a great world, much less stress than just everybody helping each other. 
Um, but because people see my challenges, that's easy to spot out, and people are willing to help, and they have you know sympathy and empathy, and, and they're willing to do what they can to make you feel comfortable. There's, there's great people in this world, and the thing is though, I feel like I have no bigger challenges than somebody else, but you just can't see their challenges. Yes. Uh, most of the people's challenges you just can't see physically. It's internally. And I think if we could recognize just how internally damaged someone could be or their internal challenges that they're facing, like that can be much worse than a spinal cord injury. And I, I love my life. I love who I am. And the challenges that you see are physical. I, I, I live a great life and I'm happy to be where I'm at. And I just, you want to encourage people to recognize people to recognize there's other people internally struggling no doubt uh, so yeah man and I, I totally agree i always think that those with physical challenges kind of have the easier walk in life than everyone else because everyone else is dealing with demons they all have fights yep. going on whether it's in family or emotionally or cognitively or financially so like you uh, <laughs> you try to meet others where they are and extend your right hand to use your your uh, analogy but to meet people where they are and love them where they are you i know chris are a huge goals guy you uh you set a goal and then you do everything in your power and then some to go out and chase it uh tell tell our listeners today our friends cuz these it's a group of friends now listening to your story what your big goal was after you learned what the injury was and and ultimately how you got there? Yeah, so I, I mean, right away, I wanted to walk. That was the big thing was to be independent, walk. And as I am working through this, I'm doing, you know, seven, eight hours a day of training, just being relentless to, to make this goal happen, something I thought would be a great uh, benchmark or a great time to really showcase my progress was my graduation. And so I set the goal early on that I'm going to walk across the stage of my college graduation. And at the time I said it, I had no idea how I was going to accomplish it. I, was, I wasn't anywhere close to where I needed to be to make that happen. But I said it, and I told people about it, and I'm going to make this happen. And I felt accountable for it. And I just did the exact same thing I did earlier in the hospital, just focusing on you know, just one day at a time. What can I do today to get better? And I just worked relentlessly, even with a full college schedule. I, I started a nonprofit, and despite everything else that was going on, I knew I had to put in my training. And so I just set the daily goal of how many hours I'm going to train and for the ultimate goal of walking across the stage. And so I just was a day-after-day thing. Eventually, I actually finished school a little bit earlier than when I was supposed to, and I moved out to Michigan with my now fiance uh, just to get away from everything and focus on my training at a, you know, intensive physical training center. And it's called Barwith Methods. And I was there for about six months training for my graduation walk. And well then come May of 2015, I was able to walk the stage of my college graduation with the help of my fiance, which was videotaped by my friend and went viral <laughs> afterwards. But I have to say this too, um, before the graduation walk, the day before I actually proposed to Emily, my fiance, I was more nervous for the proposal than the graduation walk. 
uh, I don't blame you. However, uh, I've seen all the videos, I think, on you online. I wept like a baby when I saw you walk across that stage with your beautiful fiance, kind of holding your hands and helping you in and out of that, the, the wheelchair and the pride in her eyes, but also uh, in every other person in the entire auditorium. It's really a beautiful image of a shared victory. Yeah, it really was a shared victory. I didn't do it alone. That's that's for sure. I had so much help. I had so many other people um, pushing me along the way, really encouraging me. Like I mentioned earlier, my family was my rock. And then I had friends who helped me out throughout college. They got me to class. Uh, they helped me with homework. Emily was a huge uh, source of strength and encourager. She pushed me, uh, you know, every single day. She would walk with me to bed every single night. That was our routine in preparation for the graduation walk. Is something that we always did. And, um, it was just, it was really a team effort, and it was great to uh, be able to uh, accomplish that feat. You know, that's something I wanted to do, but really it was, it was everybody involved that really made that possible. And I think a lot of people, you know, share a sense of accomplishment um, seeing me do that because uh, I could be on this podcast all day naming off the people who've helped me get to where I am today. And uh, it's just an amazing thing. And I just I feel so fortunate. Chris, <clears throat> tell now that we know the context and the background of your story, tell us a little bit more about your messaging, your speaking, the audiences that you're in front of, and, and what you're trying to convey through your writing, through your work these days. Yeah, of course. So, one, well, I, I just believe that, you know, our outcome is the sum of our choices and responses, that we are in control of our life, and it's just up to us to make those simple decisions you know, every single day. Um, I'm not an extraordinary person. I'm very much just an ordinary uh, small-town guy, and I just have chosen to, you know, take control of some of the simple things, things that can be easy to overlook, just like your attitude, your effort, you know, having a purpose. And so those are the kind of messages that I want to convey to my audience or that, you know, they can overcome any obstacle, they can navigate change, whatever it may be in their lives. Uh, you know, if you follow this simple, you know, blueprint of what you can do to, to overcome it, uh, you'll be successful. And so the audiences that I'm sharing this with, you know, first it was education, but now it's been more corporations and associations, uh, conferences. And that's really uh, what I really enjoy doing. It's just sharing my message, connecting with the audience, you know, giving them things to think about that will improve their lives because, you know, because of my experience, I've learned so much. I just want to be able to share that knowledge and give people the sense of, uh, you know, strength and empowerment to take control of their own life, uh, just like I have. I, um, first, I love your heart and your mind, and I am nodding my head, taking notes as you're speaking. Tell us what you are up to physically today. Like, how are you physically? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so right now I'm still training three hours a day. I am able to walk with Emily with one hand up to about like, I would say 10 feet right now. And then, so in the video, I'm holding on to Emily with two arms and we're holding on to each other uh, very firmly. So I've made, you know, great progress since then. But now Emily and I, we're walking to bed every single night, but I'm walking to her on my side. And the reason we've been walking side by side is because my next goal 
is to walk her down the aisle after we get married. And so that's the huge goal that I'm training for now. It's the, the new big walk and it's something that I'm working on every single day and it keeps me energized. But, you know, I'm in a power assist wheelchair. I'm working on just becoming more independent mm-hmm. and just, uh, you know, getting my walking to the point where I can have a successful uh, wedding walk. And we're just really looking forward to the opportunity. And it's something that's really special is like with Emily, uh, you know, she, we met three years after my injury. So we had no prior yes. um, knowledge of each other before then. And, and she was able to, you know, look past my spinal cord and just, and look past my physical challenges to the person I am. And the thing that makes her even more special is she has a big heart and she wants to help other people and, and inspire other people. And so she actually was the one that really encouraged me to like, Chris, you should walk me down the aisle, not for me, but for, for other people to give people hope and inspiration because of how successful the graduation walk went mm-hmm. with it being viewed over 300 million times. And Emily and I have received you know, thousands of messages through Facebook and email and different social media platforms, just of people struggling and how much that video meant to them. It's given them strength and people just reaching out for help. And we just feel like this could be another opportunity to really make another impact and to give people hope and inspiration that, you know, despite your circumstances, despite your challenges, like life can be beautiful. Life can be amazing and you just got to work at it. And so we decided that this is something that we need to commit to and, and work at every single day. All right, brother. I know your goals, man. So uh, send me my invitation. What, what's the date uh, that in the back of your mind that you are thinking by this time uh, I am walking this woman down the aisle? What, what, what's the date that you're moving toward? Well, we're looking at the spring. So we're working with different venues right now and we're working with different uh, wedding chapels. So we're trying to figure out when exactly and where, but we're thinking somewhere in South Florida. And we're hoping for the springtime. So there's no official date right now. I'm hoping <laughs> to get a date within a couple of weeks. But once I get that date, then it, I'm going to have to go into an extra gear because uh, that's a big moment. That's something that, you know, I don't want to, you know, let anybody down. Not that I would, but, you know, I just put a lot of pressure on myself to do well. And uh, same with the graduation walk. I put a lot of pressure on myself because it was important to me to uh, be able to to showcase how far I've come. And I know I've come a long ways. And I think, uh, you know, there's something about that. You just want to be held accountable to that and um, really try to make a difference. And it's really not about me, though. It's really about the other people. And so we're really excited to, to finalize all those different details. And something special, too, I'll have to, to mention is um, we're working with a, an award-winning documentary crew that wants to capture, you know, the story plus mm-hmm the wedding walk. And so we're really looking forward to that opportunity. It would be something to be able to share the world as well and just be able to, you know, fulfill our purpose of just helping other people through their own challenges. Well, the Live Inspire community are now a part of this family and this group of cheerleaders on your sideline. And, and uh, man, it's, it is a terrific story. I know just a little bit about Emily. She seems remarkable. And I know you to be a remarkable, man. So I appreciate you sharing this time, but you're not quite finished yet. Every guest that has preceded you 
has walked down the aisle of the seven live inspired questions. And so Chris Norton, I want to make sure that you go through the same questions that, that everyone else has, uh, has been challenged by uh, answering. So number one, Chris Norton, what's the best book that you have ever read? Oh, there's so many. Uh, the first one that comes to mind would be uh, a four-hour work week where it just helped me with time management. Tomorrow, you discover your wealthy uncle has shockingly died at 103, leaving you, man, with millions of dollars. What would you do with that newfound wealth? Oh, I would probably invest it to make it into more wealth and just to be able to then grow it to give back and to fulfill also my foundation mission of just giving people the opportunity to live a happy quality life. Um, so I think invest it and just trying to grow my foundation and just help also have to help out with Emily's passion too. She's into the foster care system. We're actually foster parents and she really has, a big heart for that. So we'd have to share the wealth with her foster care missions. Now you're just bragging. So, you know, he, here he is, this guy who has overcome everything moving forward toward walking down the aisle and in his spare time, he's a foster parent, Chris, you, you and yeah. Emily are, are uh, truly beautiful examples, man. So th- yeah. So thank John you. And, and listeners, if you guys heard screaming, we, we have three children right now at our house. We, uh, we had two, um, a three-year-old and a two-month-year-old delivered to our house at 12.30 last night. So I, I didn't get much sleep, but um, it's something that Emily is like, she's all fired up about. And she, she just has the biggest heart in the world. And oh, We love looking after them. So, but yeah, that's, that's if you heard any screaming. <laughs> We've heard little whispers in the background, and I'm, and I'm loving it. I'm, I'm assuming all my friends are loving it, too. Chris, if your house caught on fire, you and Emily, and those babies are out, your animals are out, and you have an opportunity to run back in and grab one item that really matters to you, what, what item, what thing, what artifact would you go back into the home for? Oh, wow. Um, that's a tough one. I would have to say, I would probably say my laptop because I have lots of my photos and videos and Emily's information. And we just have a lot of documents on that. So I'd probably say the laptop because it just would preserve so many photos Mm -hmm. and videos that we have saved over, you know, the last seven years and beyond. So I'd say the laptop. Awesome. If you could sit on a bench overlooking a beach and have a long conversation with anyone, living or dead, who would you want there sitting next to you, Chris? Oh, I would say, honestly, I'd say LeBron James. I'm a huge LeBron James fan. I'd love to get inside his head and just know his why and, like, his determination and his passion and uh, just kind of what drives him. I I think he's... uh, one of the hardest working people I've, I've ever heard of. And I, I just admire his success and what he's accomplished. And so I'd say I would like to have a conversation with LeBron James. Awesome. I am expecting that will happen someday for you. What, oh, well, thank you. I hope so. What's the best advice that you've ever received? The best advice. No, 
I would say my dad, he, he taught me at a young age that just something simple. Just if you don't like where you're at, then do something about it. Hmm. It's just pretty much just work. Just to, if you want the results, you have to put in the work. And uh, he just always taught me that. Just work for everything that you want in your life. And I had to with growing up. Just nothing really came that easy to me. And I learned that when I'm willing to put the work in, the results follow. And I think that made a huge difference, obviously, with my recovery, my spinal cord injury. But I would say his words, and he had so many wise words and encouragement uh, through this entire process. But I'd say that really sticks out to me. Well, man, that served you well as a kid and certainly as a guy recovering from a significant life-altering challenge. But I think we all need to hear these words one more time, so I'm going to parrot it right back to you. If you don't like where you're at, then do something about it. (laughs) It's so obvious that I think we miss it, you know? And I I mean that as a compliment to your dad and to you for actually hearing those words. But I think for me and our friends listening right now, hey, if you don't like where you're at physically, financially, relationally, whatever, professionally, do something about it. Too frequently we just sit back and we uh, we take it rather than making yeah. necessary difficult changes. Yeah, it's a simple concept, but it's not easy. That's right. What would you tell, and I know you're not much past this already because you're a young man still, but what would you tell your 20-year-old self today? Just be hopeful. Just Just be patient. Um, when I was at that point, you know, I was, I was restless. I felt like there was a greater purpose for me. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what I was working towards, but I arrived at that point where I'm at a point where I wouldn't take back my injury. Mm. I, I love my life. I, I've loved all the experiences that's happened as a result of that. I'm a better person because of it. And I'm able to make uh, a larger impact now. And so uh, my 20-year-old self, I felt like that would come, but I didn't know what it when or how that would feel like, and I was restless. And I think, I think that would be what I would tell myself. It's just, just wait, just be patient. You know, it, it's coming. You know, I, I usually don't ask clarifying questions during these seven, but I think this is so important. If people heard it, they need to know a little bit more about it. You just said, be patient, be hopeful. And then you said, and I've, I'm finally at a place where I would not, choose to take back the injury that that's profound and uh I, just tell us a little bit more about that uh, for i would imagine for a long time you would do anything to wake up from the nightmare and be able to strap back on that helmet and hit the field again a- at what point was there a turning point or was it just a gradual erosion where you realize you know what the helmet may not come back on but my life is incredible and i finally realized that and i want to change spots with anybody yeah, that, it was gradual. It wasn't like one moment where it just was a turn of a switch, but it was just a lot of small moments of just taking back control of my life. And really, um, when I started to just live out my purpose, and my purpose, I just feel, is to help other people overcome their obstacles. And when I'm living out that purpose, and I've been able to do so by you know, my motivational speaking, through my book, through the graduation walk. And so all those different opportunities in my nonprofit, you know, it gave me so much fulfillment in my life that I've never felt before. You know, I just feel like I'm really making, able to make a difference 
and that fulfilling feeling makes it so that I couldn't take back that play. There's there's no way. There's there's, there's too much to lose from taking that play back. And I honestly don't think I would have met Emily either no. if I wouldn't have been injured. And so there's just so many blessings to be counted. But um, that didn't happen overnight. There was a nonprofit, the book, the graduation walk, uh, meeting Emily. You know, it just took constant, every single day, um, you know, dedication. And when you consistently do that day after day, you know, great things will happen. And I, I just want to encourage people to, to not give up, to keep going. Uh, when you keep going, you know, those blessings will come and you'll find and create a purpose for yourself oh. and, and just be patient. Awesome. And here's our final question, Chris Norton. It has been said that all great people, and you are one of them, my friend, all great people can have their lives summed up in one sentence. How would you want your one sentence to read? Hmm. You know, I would say, you know, he made a difference. I just want to be able to leave the world better off than where I entered it. And so I just hope people just felt like I've made a difference in their lives and um, they're better off because of it. I just, I think that significance of just leaving the world better than where, where you started, uh, I think that would be significant to me. Chris Norton, there is no doubt that you have already made a difference and made the world better than you found it. Where can uh, those of us who want to learn even more about your walk uh, where can we learn more about your journey? You know, I think there's probably two places that you can best connect with me. It would be my Facebook page, and that's just Chris A. Norton, 16, is the following the Facebook page. And then uh, also my website, which is just nortonmotivation.com. And so, one, you're going to find my, all my speaking information and my story. The other is all about my personal life and my story. And um, I also like to put out uh, inspirational messages, you know, weekly. And Emily and I will do Facebook Live, which we have a lot of fun with. Um, but I'd say those two places are the best way to connect with me and keep up with the story. And as we uh, move forward with the documentary and the wedding walk. Well, man, we have a couple hundred thousand people who are following uh, our walks through life. And now the invite list for your wedding just grew, I think, ex exponentially. So we are looking forward to the invite to South Florida with LeBron James and you, Chris Norton, and Emily next spring for the big walk. Uh, Chris Norton, it has been a pleasure to have you on Live Inspired. Well, it's been a, my pleasure as well, John. Like I said, you're an inspiration of mine. I look up to you and what you've been able to accomplish. And I really hope that we can connect sometime and uh, be able to have another chat. My friends, that was Chris Norton. This is John O'Leary, and today is your day. Live inspired. So, my friends, did I, did I kind of warn you on the front side that Chris today was going to bring the heat? He is a remarkable young guy clearly has been surrounded by some stunning people from Emily and Georgia. I hope you don't forget those two names to his father and mother, the coaching staff, the colleagues, the entire team that came around him from the first day of that injury all the way to even where he is today, 
uh, almost seven years later. It's an incredible story of team, of hope, of faithfulness, of patience, of resiliency, of working for goals, taking one breath at a time, one breath at a time, one breath at a time. And sometimes as we look forward toward a long distant horizon, we forget to just take that next best breath. I think Chris Norton today reminded us of taking that next breath, of taking the next step, of taking the next action. And one of the main takeaways for me today came from his father, not from Chris. He said, Chris, if you don't like where you're at, do something about it. What great advice for all of us to grab on to today. If you don't like where you're at, do something about it. My friends, if you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you, please take a few moments to rate the show and to review the podcast. You can go to iTunes if that's where you grab your your episodes and review it right now. It's a great way to help us expand the footprint of our impact. We are already part of a movement. There have already been more than 500,000 downloads. That's you, by the way. Thank you for being so remarkable. Thank you for being awesome. Thank you for being part of this effort to ignite the hope and the inspiration in the lives of those around us. But you can help us inspire and impact even more. So rate and review the show. Leave your comments. Tell your friends. Let's continually create a movement of individuals waking up from accidental living and choosing instead to live inspired. So thank you so much for listening to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. For this time, and by the way, before we even sign off, hang on for it. If you want to learn more about these podcasts, more about our blogs, more about our vlogs, our speaking, our writing, our book on fire, what we are doing next, the impact of in-studio, which is remarkable, remarkable, by the way, learn more at John O'Leary inspires.com. That is the mothership. That is where all of our writing, all of our thoughts, all of our interviews, all of our stuff comes together. It's where you can grab it all. It's a great landing page. John O'Leary inspires.com. Check it out today and then share that with those around you. It's a great way to keep this ripple effect moving positively forward. So my friends, I'm going to see you there, but for this time and until next time, this is John O'Leary and this is your day. Live inspired.